Brother Steve, come on up. And uh, we are pleased today, obviously, to uh, have uh, one of our leaders in town to actually, basically his job, he'll tell you more about a job to assimilate, assimilate all of us together as one body united in. So we're glad to have you. Let's give him a town quick welcome and uh, God bless you. Well, amen. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Pastor, for, for the invitation. It is a great honor and privilege to be here this morning, uh, to be in this great church and to be with these great people. Thank you, uh, musicians. You all did a fantastic job. And just thank you for ushering us to God's throne this morning. As we open his word, and I need to make a few statements for you just so you understand where I'm coming from, then I'll, I'll get to some about my family and my job. But we're, we're getting ready to come before God's word, which is inspired by him. Amen. Therefore, without error... And it is not capable of failing us. It is infallible. And it is trustworthy. And we can lean on it. And therefore, it is the authority of our life, of his church. And this morning, as we come before God's word, we are expecting him to speak to us, right? And to change and transform our lives. I believe every time this Bible is opened, I believe what's at stake is uh, our lives being transformed, our hearts being shaped and molded uh, into what God would desire it to be, that we would be more like Jesus and we would live to glorify God in all that we do. Amen? So if we're all good with that, we're going to be in good shape this morning. Uh, you can go ahead and take your copy of God's Word, open to the minor prophet book of Haggai, or Haggai, however you prefer to say it. So I'll uh, give you a little time to find it. But we will be in the book of Haggai, Haggai this morning. Just as a little intro, just so you know a little bit about me again, my name is Steve Simpson. Um, I've been in Aiken for about six years. I've served one of our local churches for six years. And as of April the 4th, I have transitioned into being your Aiken Baptist Association mission strategist. Uh, it used to be, as, as Brother Clint uh, alluded to, it used to be D-O-M. Some people called it D-U-M. Um, but, uh, but now it's A-M-S, Associational Mission Strategist. And I've been serving in this role, I think last week I actually counted the days. It's been like 81 days. So we're still learning the ropes, getting our feet on the ground. Uh, but we do have a good head start because we've been around here for a while. Uh, one of the things that my family and I loved doing just when we were here over the last five or six years is just we've always loved getting around Aiken County uh, at, at the core and the heart of who I am. I'm a strategist. So we've always looked in places in our county where, uh, where we saw God at work, where we saw uh, places that we needed to be more intentional. So it's given us a great head start in this role. Um, as, as we look across Aiken County and ask this question, how do we together as a, as a body, 69 churches in our, in our family, in our network, how do we exist together to drive back darkness in Aiken County, that light would shine, that we would be the light and salt of the earth, and that God would get all the glory for it? So we got a, we got a head start, but uh, we're running fast and hard and have been for 80 plus days now, and it's been a great joy of our life. Uh, Always by my side are the sweet people you see with me this morning. My family, I'll start with my wife, Alex. She's here in the red dress. She hates being called on, so uh, don't look at her. But, <laughs> but uh, she is uh, my partner in crime. We are partners in ministry, and she's just been a great blessing, helpmate, um, and encourager in my life. I wouldn't be here doing what I'm doing without her. And the Lord's blessed us with two beautiful children. One of them is back in the nursery, and that's good for all of us. She's a fiery redhead. I see you redheads out here. And um, she's three, and then our oldest, Adeline, is seven. And she doesn't like attention either, so don't look at her. Um, but anyway, they're, they're uh, the Lord's blessing on my life, and um, they're the joy of my life. And my, uh, behind Christ, my top priority, uh, family has always been so precious to me, and, and God has blessed me with a great one. 
Um, I want to say this to you this morning just to kind of give you an idea because I realize uh, some of you might not be very familiar with the Aiken Baptist Association. What in the world do we do? Uh, hopefully you'll be hearing a lot more of that. I was telling your pastor earlier, uh, I'm so glad I could be here this morning. The only Sunday I have left between now and November is October the 9th. So uh, we've been running all around this county, and churches are inviting us to come and share, which is a positive thing, and we are certainly encouraged by the opportunity to do so. But as I come, I like to just share a, a, an elevator speech, um, a quick snapshot of, of, of me and what I do and what we seek to do as an association. The first thing that you need to hear from me that I would say to you is, I work for you. Um, I am your missionary. I, I tell every church, essentially, that you could consider me as part of your staff. You're not going to see me in, on, your, on your campus, at your facility all the time, but, but I work for you, um, and it's a great honor and privilege to do that. And as I work for you, there's really three things. I call them kind of the big three that, that we seek to do, that I seek to do as a strategist and missionary to help all of our churches fulfill the Great Commission. So our mission is to do that, 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 to help all of our churches fulfill the Great Commission. And to do that, we focus on three big areas, the big three. And uh, there, there's still some development of this as we invite our pastors to the table to speak into it. But right now, um, those three areas are churches, leaders, and communities. Uh, the Great Commission is filled by the Bride of Christ, fulfilled by the Bride of Christ, the church. So we uh, would be mistaken to not invest in churches, to make a strategic investment in churches. There's a variety of ways we do that. Churches are in different places. But here's how I describe it. I, I, I seek and desire for every church to be an accelerating church, a church that's moving forward, a church that's taking steps. You've heard the statistic in Southern Baptist life for so long that all of our churches are what? Declining, Right? Wouldn't it be an awesome day if God renewed our churches and we saw all of our churches advancing and accelerating the gospel across Aiken County? We desire to help all of our churches take their next steps in accelerating the mission of God. And every church has a next step, right? Some churches, it's, it's helping another church. Some churches, it's having a, a renewal process with me where we actually work as a consultant practitioner, um, help them understand options that are available to them, that they can move forward to the future. Uh, but we invest heavily in churches. Secondly, and probably the top or, or, or closely tied with that, that first one is leaders. I was sharing with your pastor earlier, we're facing a leadership crisis. If there's one thing that you're joining me this morning and praying for is that God would raise up more leaders. And I'm convinced of this. God's not done raising up leaders, but we as his church have done a poor job of investing and discipling leaders to go out and to be effective leaders for the kingdom of God. And I'm, I'm calling all of our churches. Let's lean into that more. Let's identify those called by God. Let's invest in them, disciple them well, that they're prepared to go serve God in whatever capacity he would have them to do. And then thirdly, the part of the big three is communities. And this is just something that the Lord put on my heart. Do you all realize how much more effective we can be together? We estimated on Easter Sunday this year, just as we kind of listened around and heard reports, this is a, a very rough estimate, but on Easter Sunday this past year, we estimated that in our, in our 69 Aiken County churches, there were probably in Aiken County um, in our churches. The latest census report tells us that Aiken County residents, y'all laugh at this, report that almost 23,000 of them are affiliated with a Southern Baptist church. Now, we have a really hard time finding them on Sunday morning, okay? But if you ask Aiken County residents of our 173,000 people, that 23,000 of them are going to say, yeah, I'm affiliated with a Southern Baptist church. We'd like to find them on Sunday morning. But, but the reality is, is our presence, our voice, our mark could be and can be a lot larger than what it actually is. 
And I start looking around our county and thinking about how we can engage communities, different communities, um, and how we can do things together. And I almost see myself as a table setter for that. Um, but how we can do things together to have an impact that no one church can have on their own, but we can all have together. There's just things that God can do with us collectively that it's hard for us to do on our own. And there's a variety of things with that. So those are kind of the big three, what we do as an association. Let me just really quickly cast some, some vision for you, just so you know my heart. Um, I, I'm a glass half full kind of guy, very optimistic and, and, and looking forward to what the Lord's going to do. I want to turn to a passage real quick, but here's a vision that I have for you. And I want to I cast some reality first. We have some resources at our disposal. Uh, we can run demographic studies, okay? And it's a, it's a collection of data about a certain population. And when, when I zoom in on, on Aiken County and get the, the numbers that are reported back to me out of our system and our tools, what I find in a religious study is when people are asked their involvement in religious activity or religious congregation, what involvement they have. 74, this is what the demographic tells us, 74% in Aiken County say they have zero involvement in religious activity or religious congregation. 74%. There's about 173,000 people who live in Aiken County. We're also fairly confident, and this is a conservative estimate, a very, very conservative estimate. It's, it's likely higher than this, but we're conservatively confident that there are about 110,000 people in Aiken County who are far from God, who are walking outside of relationship with Jesus Christ, and are on their way to a sinner's hell unless they repent and trust Christ in his finished work by faith. The folks that you live beside, the folks that you check out at the grocery store with, the folks that you eat with at the restaurants, uh, your neighbors, the, the folks that you go to school with, that you go to work with, that you play sports with, many of them do not have a relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it is our mission, it is our charge as his church to go and make disciples among those people and of those people and ultimately to the end of the world, to the nations. Amen? And it breaks my heart that that is the reality, but I have a dream and a vision that God's put on my heart. And the reality of it is, is we see a day where that won't be reality. In Acts 17, chapter or Acts 17, verse 2 through 6. You don't have to flip there, but just listen to this. Because this is my prayer for the Aiken Baptist Association, for our association of churches, for our county. It tells us, this account in Acts 17 tells us, then Paul, as his customs was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and to rise again from the dead, and saying, this Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Christ. And some of you, and some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews, who were not persuaded, listen to this, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, sought to bring them out of the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren of the rulers out of the city, and listen to this, this is the heart of what I want to get to, this is what they were crying, these are those who have turned the world upside down, they have come here too. And my prayer for Aiken County, my vision for Aiken County is that our county would look at us as the church, the bride of Christ, and say, these are the ones that have turned our county upside down. These are the ones 
that have made such an impact and such a difference that our county is a different place because of the Jesus they live for. Uh, I've shared this with some of our pastors. I see a day where Mike Hunt comes to me and says, our detention center is less populated because your churches are making a difference in your communities. I see a day where God's going to do a new work. But in order to get that and to get there, I'll finish this, this intro with this thought. Things have changed. Have you noticed that? Almost in a matter of two to three years, things have shifted on a dime. Um, I was just speaking with, with Pastor Clint back here earlier. Even the strategy has to change and has changed in some ways of how we go about reaching those people. And that's still us holding to our, our values, our convictions, our doctrine, our theology, right? Not letting any of those things loose, not, not, not loosing our grip on any of those things, but realizing that the things around us have changed. The strategy must change. And for an Aiken Baptist Association, let me just say this to you this morning, things are, are changing. Um, and, and things are going to change, and I see that as a good thing because we want to be more effective in the work we do. Here's what I would say to you this morning. As an Aiken Baptist Association, it's not going to be like it used to be. Um, and that's exactly what I actually want to speak to you on this morning. I want to speak to you today on this thought, things not like it used to be, and we're going to do so in the book of Haggai. You know, the reality of that is some things are good when it's not like it used to be. Amen? Like some, some things change, and that's a, that's a good thing. Uh, I, I love athletics. My favorite time of the year is, is about four weeks out. I'm a, I'm a huge college football fan. Uh, I had the opportunity of playing college football at Coastal Carolina University. Yes, preachers come out of Coastal Carolina, believe it or not. Um, but, but my heart and real allegiance is I'm a diehard. I'm probably going to lose half of you here. I'm a diehard Clemson Tiger, Okay. I love the Clemson Tigers. We, I been, my dad started taking me to games in diapers. My dream was to play at Clemson. I just didn't cut it. I just wasn't good enough, right? But I, I, I love the Tigers, and we have been going to, to games for 30 years. And I can report to you about this, whether you're a, a Tiger or you pull for that other team. Um, the, the reality of it is, is things aren't like it used to be for the Clemson Tigers, right? I remember a good year when I was a kid going, when Tommy West was the coach and some of those guys, Five wins, man, we were having a party, right? If we made a bowl game, we're, we're, we were knocking it out of the park. But now things are not like it used to be, right? Dabo's kind of changed the course, winning national titles, and things have changed. And, and as a Tiger fan, that's a good thing. It's a good thing that things aren't like they used to be. But there's also some things that are not good things. One of my favorite things, one of my, you might think this is kind of weird for a young guy, one of my favorite TV shows is Andy Griffith. Any Andy Griffith fans in the room? The black and white ones are way better than the colored ones, by the way, okay? But we, we love Andy Griffith. We've seen every episode, every season. We love it all. And we love it because when I flip through the TV at night with my family, like, there's not much good stuff on, like, Andy Griffith, right? TV's not like it used to be. We have to search hard to find something wholesome and good worth watching. So we just watch Andy Griffith over and over and over and Aunt B and Kerosene Pickles and all those things, right? So some things are not good when they change. But nonetheless... Oftentimes, things are not like they used to be. I want to read our, our text this morning. We're going to jump into the sermon and get into God's word. In Haggai chapter 2, and if you would, again, with me, let's stand out of reverence for, for the reading of God's word. We're going to read Haggai chapter 2, verse 1, all the way down through verse 9, and then I will pray. It says this, it says, In the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shetel, governor of Judea, 
and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. And be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord. And work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Then listen to verse 6 through 9. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, but I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace says the Lord of hosts. Let's pray together, asking the Lord to speak to us through this text. Father, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this, uh, th- this text that is in front of us that um, we are prepared to, to hear from. Uh, may our hearts be transformed by it. May we recognize and realize that often things are not like they used to be, but help us to lean into that, to pay attention, to be, because you could be doing a new thing. As you were Describing here in, in this text before us, the latter temple, the glory of it would far go beyond Solomon's temple, the former. So, Father, we pray that you speak to us, you lead and guide us, you make us the people you want us to be. May we be attentive to your word, may we be attentive to you as you speak to our hearts. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a teacher at my core, Okay. So in order for us to understand what's going on in chapter 2, we need to back up a little bit, get a little background, a little context of what's happening. So let me back us up to chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 3 through 9, and then we'll look at verse 12 through 14. Look at me in chapter 1, verse 3 through 9. This is for the purpose of context, so we understand what's happening as we move to chapter 2. It says this in the first chapter, verse 3, Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying this, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? So it's a question that the Lord asked that's, that's passed through the prophet Haggai. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. That's an important question. Consider your ways, consider what you're doing. You have sown much and you bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Again, consider your ways. And then we come to verse 8, which a lot of people argue verse 8 is kind of the great commission of the book of Haggai. When I say great commission, I'm, I'm speaking of Matthew 28, 19, where we're charged as the church to go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them, teach them. So this is kind of argued as the great commission of Haggai, chapter, chapter 1, verse 8. Listen to it. It says, go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little, and when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that lies in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. So here's a problem that consists in the early parts of, as, as the prophet speaks to the people here, 
He says, you are running around, you're building your own houses, you're going up into the mountains, you're bringing the wood down, and you're constructing your paneled houses. All the while, the Lord's house, the temple, lies in ruins. And the Lord says to them, consider your ways. Here's what he's saying. You've neglected me as your priority and my intentions as your priority, and you have focused on yourself and what you desire, your desired outcomes. And he asked this question, consider your ways. It's profited you nothing. He says, you eat, but you never have enough. He says, you drink, but you're never filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but you're never warm. You earn wages, and you put them in a bag with holes, and it just falls through, and you gain nothing. And the Lord says, but you're seeking to make a way for yourself. You're building your own houses, and my house lies in ruins, and in it, there is no blessing. There is no blessing of the Lord. And then we come to verse 12. So we see the problem. We see the issue. And fortunately, the Lord often presents us with, with the charge, if you will, right? The Great Commission, for instance. Here, go and make disciples of all nations. And we as his people choose to obey or not to obey. When we obey, right, we walk in the favor of the Lord. When we don't, there's often chastisement and discipline from the Lord. But, but here we see this, this account where the people actually obey what the Lord told them to do. And, and if you read your Bible, you would learn that obedience is, is always your best option. Amen. It says this in verse 12 as we, as we get some more context. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shetel, the and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, hear this word, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. Notice there's a remnant too. That's important. There's only a, there's only a handful of these people left. But they do something significant. They obey the voice of the Lord. And it says in the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent them, and the people feared the presence of the Lord. Watch this, verse 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. So we have a problem. The Lord addresses the problem through the prophet Haggai. The people repent. They obey the voice of the Lord. They go and fulfill the charge that the Lord gave them in verse 8. Go up into the mountains, bring down the wood, and rebuild my house. And that sets us up to work into, verse, or, or into chapter 2. It sets us up for where we're going to be to understand what's happening. Let, let me continue to read actually in, in verse 14 and 15 because we don't want to miss this of something that's happening among the people. And this is just something we need to insert here. It says in verse 14, So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shetel, governor of Judea, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the remnant of the people, and they came and worked on the house of the Lord on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. So the people are walking in disobedience. They repent. They obey. The Lord says, I am with you. He stirs up their spirit. And it says, the people began to build the house on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. There had to be a sense of excitement, right? There had to be a new energy. There had to be this, this, this renewed reminder that the Lord has promised that he is with us. And we are going to do the very work that the Lord has called us to do. I would probably ask you this morning, and you would probably agree with me, there is no greater joy in our life than serving the Lord. Amen? Like of all the things we could do, of all the things we could be a part of, of all the, 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 the activities we could take part in, the, the greatest joy, our highest privilege, and, and, and parents, teach your kids this, right? And all of us need to understand this, that our greatest joy is being invited to serve and to be a part of what God's doing. I, I've, I've described it this way because we've already alluded to the Great Commission before. The Great Commission is not the great burden. None of you understand that, right? 
How many preachers have stood behind pulpits and driven it down your throat like, you got to go or God doesn't love you, right? And I, and I want to say, listen, can you think of a higher privilege than being a part of the redemptive work of Christ across all the nations? Like, that's what you and I have been invited to do, to go and make disciples of all nations. There is no greater joy in your life or my life. And the Lord has promised he's with us all the way through it. So just like the remnant here, as they begin to obey the voice of the Lord, they were stirred up. There was an excitement. There was an energy. We should have that as well. I watch too many Christians. They walk around and, oh, I'm open, right? And I, and I, and I want to say, like, look at what we get to do. Look at the privilege and the joy it is to serve the Lord, to know that he's with us always, to know that he's invited you and I to be a part of his journey. So they're excited. And then we see they begin to build the building. Look at verse 1 through 4 in chapter 2. They begin to build the temple. Notice some, some time moves forward. It says, in the seventh month on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shetel, governor of Judea, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the remnant of the people who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory. And how do you see it now in comparison with it? Is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and pay attention to these two words, and work. For I am with you. So the reality of what's happening here is they got started building the temple. And this question is asked about halfway through the section that we just, just read in verse 3. It says, who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now in comparison with it? The issue that the people were facing is they were reminded, this is where we're getting into not like it used to be. The new temple that they were constructing, it was not like it used to be. It was not like Solomon's temple. It was not a, it was not a glorious temple. It, it was not a, a, a very attractive temple in the way that Solomon's temple would have attracted your eyes. Right? They, they, were, they were more consumed with the glory of Solomon's temple. That, that's why the, the scriptures keep alluding to, in comparison with it, does it not as compare as nothing? And what happened in the people's heart is they began to go, and remember, they're stirred up by the Lord. They're obeying at this point. that They're walking in the way that they should be walking, but they're, they're building this temple, and they're, they're comparing it to what it used to be, and they're saying, it's not what it used to be. And the Lord has to tell them, be strong and work. Be strong and work because the Lord was not consumed with what the temple looked like. The Lord was consumed with the obedience of the people. But much like us, these folks, they probably grew discouraged. Remember, they're, they're just walking in obedience. They want to they please the Lord. They want to honor God with their life, and they want to build their very best for the Lord. They didn't feel like they were measuring up. It compared poorly to Solomon's temple. They might have grew discouraged. They, they might have wanted to give up. You ever been there before? Just throw in the towel. It's not like it used to be. Things aren't like it used to be. There was discouragement in the camp. But then we have that reminder in verse 4 where it says, Be strong and work. Here's what the Lord's saying to them. The Lord was saying, Put your head down and accomplish what I told you to, and let me take care of the rest. You see, the Lord was just concerned with their obedience and their allegiance to him, he was less concerned about the beauty of the structure that they were building. 
And he's, he gives them this reminder in verse 4, and he just tells them, and I want to say this to you and I today as we, as, as we understand what he says to, him in verse six, says to them in verse 6 through 9. The Lord says to them these very simple words, and these are going to resonate with you, and these are going to make sense to you. He just says this, get to work. Just get to the business of doing my business and let me take care of the rest. Church, listen to me really quickly, okay? In love and compassion and, and, a, and a great heart for you. Here's what I think the Lord's calling us to today. Yes, things are different, right? The culture's different. The, the strategy's different. Like, things have changed. Even in my young life, things have changed drastically. I was just having this conversation with my dad not too long ago as I'm raising young kids. And, and I was asking him, like, things that he had to consider when he was raising us or did he have to consider some of the things when he was raising us that I have to consider now with our kids? And he was like, no. Like, I didn't think about those things when I was raising y'all. And things have changed, right? The times have changed. And, and, and oftentimes we can get discouraged and we can get down as we're continuing to try to serve the Lord in the midst of this crazy culture that we're living in. And here's what I think the Lord's saying to us today. Let me take care of all that. Let me take care of the results. All I've called you to do and all I've called you to be is to walk in obedience I've charged you with this mission. I've charged you to go love those around you. I've charged you to be the light of the, and, and salt of the earth. I've charged you to make disciples of all nations. Just get to work. Here's where I think we're, we're, we're maybe missing a little bit as our churches is we, we've gotten too comfortable, right? Taking the easy road. Because for a long time in the Bible Belt of America, it's been easy, right? We just put a preacher up here put some pews out, and turn on the air conditioner, and they would come. That day's not really happening anymore. So, so we we got we to put some hands to the plow, and we got to get to work. And I'm saying to all of our churches in the Aiken Baptist Association, like, we can't just flip on the lights anymore. We got to get to work. Right? We got to get our hands a little dirty, and that's what the Lord says to them. Be strong in me. One of my favorite passages in Philippians, right? We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Be strong in the Lord and get to work. Listen, Town Creek, let's put our head down and let's just get to work. Let's serve the Lord in his power and his strength and let him take care of the rest. But then I see this awesome promise. It's the same promise that Jesus gives us in the Great Commission. Same type of promise. In verse 4b through 6, listen to what he says. After he says, be strong and get to work and work, he says... (laughs) Isn't God good? He says, for I am with you. I'm not calling you to do something on your own. I'm not calling you to, to, to run on your own, but I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Therefore, do not fear. Listen to me. There's a charge before us. There's a work to do out in those fields. There, 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 there's, there's a tough culture that we're seeking to engage that really doesn't want anything to do with us, right? And that's why it's going to take the power of the gospel to transform their lives. Our words aren't enough, right? But here's this awesome promise that we have, the same thing that ends the Great Commission. Jesus says, and lo, I am with you always. He's never left us. He's never forsaken us. God is with us 24-7, seven days a week. 365 days a year his power is new and afresh in our lives every day and when we walk in him when we walk in the spirit we are filled with power from on high to do what only God can do through us and we can never do on our own and we need to cling to this promise this morning that churches me as a strategist often what we do is we try to over program it over strategize it right create new methods and here's the reality of it is we need to find ourselves in our face before the Lord We need his power in our lives, and we need to walk in obedience and just let him take care of it. 
Because when we do that, we find the Lord work in ways that we can't. So do not fear God is with us, but he also could be doing a new thing. Let me finish this text before I come back and just make a few observations, this application. Verse 6 through 9, listen to what the Lord says to them. Remember, they're concerned that the new temple does not look like Solomon's. They're probably discouraged about it. They're probably down. What they're saying is it's, it's not like it used to be. And we might just want to give up. And then the Lord says to them, be strong in me, work, for I am with you. And then he reminds them with verse 6 through 9. For thus says the Lord of hosts, listen to this, once more, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land. I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple, the one that you're discouraged about, I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts, because the silver is mine, the gold is mine, the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former. The Lord said, just when you're ready to give up and get discouraged and throw in the towel, you need to be reminded that I'm doing a new thing. And this latter temple that you're discouraged about, I will fill with my glory and it will be greater than Solomon's temple. We need to be reminded this morning that the Lord is always working. One of the, 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 the key things we hang our hat on as Christians is, and I hope your life is a testimony of this, is that the very thing the Lord does is change things. Amen? Your life, your, your life should be a testimony of change. When, when you were walking in your sin and somebody preached that powerful gospel to you that, that Christ was born of a virgin named Mary, was the Son of God, right? God took on flesh, lived a spotless, perfect, sinless life, never sinned one time, therefore he could be the sufficient lamb to take our place. They nailed him to a cross, he was crucified, took him off the cross, they buried him in a tomb, and the enemy thought they were, he was done with him. Three days later, the stone rolls away, Jesus walks out, appears to multitudes of witnesses, that he is alive and resurrected. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He ascends into heaven. He's seated today at the right hand of the Father, and he's coming back to take his bride one day. Amen? When somebody shared that with you, that gospel, this is who Jesus is. This is what he has done to forgive you of your sins and to give you everlasting life. And you made a decision, right, to repent and to put all your faith and trust in him and what he's done is sufficient for the forgiveness of your sins and everlasting life. Your life ever since then should be marked by radical change. Amen? It should be. Mine has been. We're not, we're not the same anymore. And, and, and the very God we serve, all he does is change things. He's never changing, but he's always changing things around him. And oftentimes we as his people, what's the one thing we often push back against the most? The fact that he's changing everything around us. That he's making all things new. That he's doing a new thing. That maybe this latter temple he's building is greater than the former. And here's what he calls us to do. Be strong. Get to work. And trust in me to never leave you nor forsake you. So let me just close with a few observations and some things that we need to keep in mind. So we don't fall into the same trap. Okay? Here's some application. How, how, did, how did they seem to become discouraged? How can we guard against discouragement? Well, verse 3 tells us these two little words about halfway through. It says, after this question is asked, how do you see it now? 
in comparison with it, the comparison seemed to lead to their discouragement. Oftentimes what we can do in the church as the body of Christ is live in this life of comparison. And we have one focus, one Lord, one Savior, right? We just need to focus on him and not compare ourselves to everybody else and everything else around us. Stop comparing yourself, right, to the super saints. Just serve the Lord diligently. Because comparison often leads to discouragement. It did for these people. But also in verse 3, it tells us, how do you see it now? Is this not in your eyes? Pay attention to that. Underline that. In your eyes as nothing. They grew discouraged, I believe, because of a selfishly motivated expectation. The Lord specifically asked them through the prophet Haggai, in your eyes is this nothing. You never thought about what it was like in my eyes. You never thought about how it glorified me, how it pleased me. So a selfishly motivated expectation can often lead to our discouragement. We need to guard ourselves against that as the church. We don't need to be selfishly motivated. We need to be kingdom motivated and look to the Lord. Lord, what are you doing? May your will be done. And also believe because they need to be reminded in verse 4b and verse 5, they grew discouraged because they simply forgot the promise of the Lord. They got so busy working. They got so busy rebuilding the temple and it couldn't measure up to the former temple. And they forgot the Lord was with them. And the Lord was leading and guiding them through it all. And the Lord had it all under control. But they simply forgot the promise of the Lord. And they probably grew discouraged. So by comparison, selfishly motivated expectations, and forgetting the promise that God was with them always, it caused the people to grow discouraged. So here's what we need to be reminded of. Here's what we need to remember so we can guard ourselves against that. First, God is with us. Very simple, right? I know you are like, that's groundbreaking. It is. God is with us. You're not doing this alone. What the Lord has called you to do, you're not doing it in your own strength, in your own power, or by yourself. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says this, Do you not yourself know that you are a temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? The Lord is with us always. That Matthew 28 passage at the end of it, And lo, I am with you always, even until the ends of the earth. Know that God is with you. Know that God is working through you and for you. The second thing we need to keep in mind, and this is so important for churches, is we need to keep the main thing the main thing. You know what got these people off course? They were too worried about building their own house. They were too worried about taking care of themselves. They were too worried about everything else in the world other than what the Lord had told them to do. And it's just a reminder for us as the church that we need to keep the main thing, the main thing. Listen, I've been in church a long time. Nine months before I was in this earth, I've been a Southern Baptist, right? <laughs> and oftentimes we can get so consumed and so busy and running here and there and just keeping up with the Joneses in church that we lose sight. We actually lose sight of the main thing. I've argued that one of the enemy's greatest tactics to keep the church away from the Great Commission is church busyness. If he can keep us busy enough running around in our walls, we'll never make disciples of those that the Lord's called us to. So church, we need to keep the main thing the main thing. We do not need to fear. The world is changing around us. It's ever changing around us. The culture is changing, and that's just going to happen, and it's going to continue to happen. But we have no reason to fear because God is making all things new. He tells us in John 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The Lord has given us peace from on high. 
So we need to know that God is with us. We need to keep the main thing the main thing. We have no reason to fear as things around us seem to shake and, 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 and tumble around us. And then we need to be reminded of this. We need to be strong in the Lord, strong in the Lord. Find our strength from him. And, and here's a very simple invitation. Here's a very simple thing that I would invite you to because there, there's um, a lot of folks here this morning. And, and all of you are gifted and all of you are talented. And all of you have things that you can do that the Lord's called you to do that maybe nobody else in, the, in, in this room can do. And, and here's what I'm inviting you to this morning. And here's what we need to do in response of what the Lord says here. Be strong in the Lord and, and let's just get to work. Your pastor can't do it all. Your, your staff can't do it all. Nor are they called to do it all. Nor is that ever the Lord's design. We, as the collective body of Christ, right? The, the foot playing his part and the, and the leg playing his part and the arm doing his part and the eye doing his part. All of us doing our part Serving the Lord in his strength, diligently working, we get the joy of watching God move in ways that only he can. So I, I invite you this morning to consider this, this truth as we, as we move to an invitation and, and those who, who might be coming to lead us in music can do so. I invite you this morning that in the strength of the Lord that we would get busy doing the work of the Lord. Again, I said this to you earlier, that it's just not enough anymore to just turn the lights on and, and flip the air condition and, and the world be transformed by it. The world is transformed by the body of Christ going as you go. In Romans 1.16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. It, it involves us as we go, serving needs, meeting people where they are, but more importantly, communicating that life-transforming gospel message and getting busy about it, and getting to work about it, assimilating them in the, into the church, discipling them, that they grow in the faith, and that we multiply and reproduce. And Aiken County can be filled with the glory of God, and it can be transformed by the power of God. That's my prayer, and I invite you this morning to consider your engagement in the mission of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the, the love and the grace that he offers to us freely. We thank you that he has paid the ultimate price for our sins through his death, burial, and resurrection. I pray this morning that we as your people have been challenged, that we would understand that things often are not like they used to be, and that's okay, because you could be doing a new thing. You are doing a new thing, and you just call us and charge us to be strong in you and to get to work. Father, help us, help Town Creek in that mission. Help us collectively as an association of churches, all 69 of us, to get to work. That we might be charged like those people in Acts 17, the ones who turned the world upside down. For your glory and for your honor, we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.